Oh, hell no. It worked. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. It just kept on sending me to send a voice message again and again. Yeah. Oh, it finally worked. Okay. All right. We're recording now. Cool. So, how are you doing? I'm fine. I'll, I'll be live? Yeah, we're live. Okay. So, I will give you some basics of how Anchor works. So, after we finish this recording, it automatically creates um episode and this will be automatically shared while spotify anchor and other platforms so the outreach is be bigger okay i see okay so today's topic you um fellow participant my friend you can choose other topics it can be of any of interest any creative interest regarding uh, either film, uh, either animation, film, modeling, or video games, or possibly gambling? Um, well, I was actually looking at one of your previous podcast episodes, and I feel you've sort of covered the topic of gambling fairly yeah, well. Um, yes. Really, so... Um, this is a sort of set designating segment. Um, I think maybe um, if we if we explore the topic, such as perhaps the um, if we if maybe if we explore the topic, such as for example um, the connections between the video game industry and the film industry, maybe. Yeah, video game industry, the film industry. Sure. Um, what's what person should we talk about? What so-called author we should talk about? There's a numerous one. We could talk about our Jackie boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was thinking of more, just more specifically sort of talking about the impact that both cinema has had on the video game industry, whether that's oh, positive or negative. Sure, we can talk about that, definitely. How video games can... How video games can feed in what video games, what cinema can learn from video games, actually, because oh yes, we see a lot of, yes. see a lot of sort of um, attempts within the video game industry to make things more cinematic, right? Yeah. Uh, even if you look at games like The Last of Us, right? That's the whole. I thought that's the whole approach they're going with. Okay, they want, increasingly want to make movies. Um, more like movies, right? They want they want to give players experience that they're playing through a movie and they're playing for a movie, right? Um, and they're trying to use cinematic conventions uh, within video games, right? Um, especially in the way that cutscenes are interlaced with gameplay. It's just um, but we don't really hear about uh, what I what I think is um. Uh, Short-sighted, um, uh, sort of just short-sighted element is that we don't often hear about what cinema movies can actually learn from the video game industry. Yeah, yeah, we rarely hear. That's a really good point. We rarely hear about how cin, how cinema should learn from the video game industry. Rather, we always hear how the video game industry should learn from the cinemas. When the cinemas are. At the old time now, right now, due to COVID and other restrictions. So let's talk about a bit more. What we sh- what cinema does have to learn. What's your opinion? What What do you think, Ash? 
like with that cinema can learn from video games. Um, I think that um, well, one of the things that uh, cinema can learn from video games, uh, in particular, right, um, is I think that um, too often when we when we look at cinema, when we look at movies, right, we see um, traditional kind of linear narratives, right, in terms of storytelling. Um, yeah. uh, whereas I think that cinema is actually capable of much, much more. I don't think the film inherently has to. I don't think the movies inherently have to tell a cohesive, coherent story, right? Um, yeah. I think that what, film, what films can learn from video games is that sometimes, sometimes, um, sometimes works of art. Um, works of art can merely be conceptual or an exploration of ideas. Now, you may say, okay, you can get that from art as well, right? Um, I think that there's several key elements of video games that uh, mark the market is different. Um, I'll, I'll, outline, I'll outline them shortly, right? Um, uh, I would say, for example, I think, I think, um, I think that cinema is uh, incre increasingly um, of more independent filmmakers have been looking into the potential of virtual reality uh, yeah. and how that can be used for, for movies, uh, how that could be used. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a movie, I think it was quite a few years ago, there was a movie on, um, uh, you know, the, when the Ebola crisis happened, right? They made a, a documentary. Yeah, they made a, doc documentary. a virtual documentary, right? But what I enjoy about actually films is that they, I think, uh, films should portray different perspectives, not just coherent story. Um, in my opinion, I think, um, I think, we, uh, I think cinema should learn to an extent what the game and and a and a no are did like. You're like, uh, it's a mystery. Like, um, instead of just having a coherent story presented in a linear narrative, have the, have the viewers guessing what's going on. Um, like, external mystery. And when it's like, the camera lens is only like the guidance into what this is, word is about. There's no narrator or something. There's only like, what you see people doing it. Well, 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 oh, small hints about what's going on. Well, we're documenting this. I think that's as much a better, I think, I think uh, what cinema should switch to as opposed to just uh, Marvel story, endgame, and other bullcrap. Mm. Uh, that's what, uh, and, and Martin Scorsese was against, like, this whole uh, 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 Marvel. Yeah, you call them theme park movies. Yeah. Theme park movies, yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's 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 another thing that um I another thing that I think cinema um take from video games is that they can give um one of the key things within video games is player agency, right? Yeah. Um, sense that character is shaping the world around them, yeah. right? 
Um, can one to this? Can we also talk about certain anime film as well? Um, like I do think anime films. Uh, I, I I don't want to go off the terms, but you need the sense that some some old some old experimental anime films does give the viewer a bit more agency than modern ones. Like, um, uh, what, what what those keep it into a mystery? Those like independent ones I'm talking about. Um, um, uh, they, they 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 instead of just like well old instead of just going through all those narrative i think he was called nico nico compo or something and so so it's like um lens you're just looking at lens like maybe have maybe have something what i i really like experimental films so maybe cinema artists should look at how we should diverge from just simple the old traditional camera angles and analysis. Let's think of other ways how to document uh, uh, events, society, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, another thing is that um, I think a lot of um, here's the thing. Another thing that I think that cinema can learn from video games in particular right um i think that often when we when we watch movies right it's, we we are given we're presented with a particular narrative okay um we're presented with a particular narrative um and it's there's a clear sort of um there's, there's the direct there's a clear sort of awful intent behind the vision, presented with a vision. Now that can be up to interpretation, right? right. right. But of course you have this cliffhanger, famous cliffhanger movie endings, right? Which are very much left open for interpretation. Uh, the audience can interpret it in different ways. But um, what I think is missing is that um, films that are more Perhaps not as structured or cohesive, but films that are more uh, an experimental playground. Okay, uh, perhaps uh, something, perhaps something pre presenting presenting a potential, um, or, or just a random ra random. You can have a, you can have you can have narratives that don't fit the traditional free art narrative structure. You could have, for example, and I, I'll give you one example. I mean, obviously there's, you have the movie Hardcore Henry, right? Um, it's Hardcore it, Henry. Yeah, obviously it's not, it, it, it's an interesting exercise, but it's not really, um, it, it, there's nothing really much to it. It's it's a very basic concept, obviously. It's just the whole movie is shot, uh, point of view, and it's just, it's just, a, otherwise it's a standard generic action movie, right? The key part is that it's all just, it's all shot point of view, right? Um, perhaps if there were a movie where main character, uh, the main character isn't seen throughout the entire movie, right? Um, the main character just isn't present throughout the entire movie. I think that could be a good idea uh, for me to play with, right? Um, maybe, uh, maybe we should do a movie where it's maybe somebody is almost like godlike and looks over the world. Yeah. Well, perhaps really, I think really sort of metatextual movies are possible as well, right? Maybe yeah. movies about um, maybe movies about sort of 
creating their own movies and creating their own worlds, right? Um, yeah. Or perhaps we would be interested to see perhaps a science fiction movie that explored the idea, for example. <clears throat> I'm really a big fan of Star Trek, right? Um, yeah. But I was actually doing, I've, I've read some sort of papers, especially one by Jarrett Murray on um, uh, Hamlet on the Holodeck, and it talks about uh, the use of virtual reality within this particular Star Trek episode, right? And I think it could be interesting, right, if you had a movie about um, people creating people creating virtual worlds uh, and people designing new playgrounds, uh, so to speak. Right? I think yeah, that, that would be something really interesting, right? And then you could draw parallels between that and uh, the way the director's craft films. Perhaps we could have movies, we don't often see movies in which the directors themselves uh, play a key part, right? Perhaps we could have a movie in which the director himself is a character within his own movie, okay? Yeah. And he's, perhaps you could have him sort of as an outside agent and he just comes along and he kind messes with oh, the characters yes. and... Oh, yes, so personal. Oh, I forgot, Ashmed. Have... Uh, you know, in classical and in a lot of films, it's always either like the the perspective, the third person. I think um, films should move out from uh, maybe a bit, a bit more like maybe God view angle, like a bit more like using drones to form rather than um, just simply uh, just person to person. Yeah, more drones wise, like maybe how technology interacts or something. And I really don't think I, I really think stories are limiting, They're very limiting in scope of development. I totally agree with that. But there are still certain genres cannot progress above certain stories, and that's talking about autobiography or biography, famous people movies like maybe the Queen or the Churchill's film, the historical dramas, those cannot go past beyond stories. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think... Have you seen a movie called um, um, Brainstorm? It's a 1980 movie. 1988 movie. Brainstorm. Uh, Brainstorm, I haven't seen it, no. 1988. 90, sorry, 1983 film. This, this, this movie is shot at 60 frames per second. Ooh, I mean, I think obviously, obviously like that with a certain range, which is determined as the cinematic frame rate. And I can understand why. I can understand why um, that's the case because um, when you when you get to sixty frames per second and it's used in movies, you have this thing called the soap opera effect. Okay, yeah, motions tend to look way too smooth. Um, I don't know why that is particularly right. I don't know why um, sort of capped at why a cinematic cinematic a cinematic look at a frame rate. Yeah, it's not at that. Frame rate, yeah. Um, the, the, this is a particular movie. The science fiction, it's but this it's not a 
it's not uh, the Douglas Trumbull did not design this movie to be like um, story oriented. It, it's actually quite open ended because um, it's more to do with how scientists experiment with brain computer interfaces. It's a mm. story, but it's story written by Bruce Young Ruby, Joe Rubin, but Douglas Trumbull directors told him that we have to make this as open-ended as possible, like near the ending. So I might spoil this for you, but near the end, something really interesting happens, like the machine malfunctions that they had to rewire it to shut it down, but it wasn't successful. But eventually, they, they, this, a discovery happened. So in the end, um, the, the, the science experiment was successful in, in the end, eventually. So, so it's an interesting take. It's basically, it's not like your typical old story format. It's, it's instead of the perspective of the characters, rather they prefer you to view the characters, how they experience this. And at most time, even though CGI wasn't fully developed back then, they managed to use special effects and make it look like that uh, you are into the eyes, you're in the perspective of few of the scientists who are looking into the brain project, brain-computer interface experience it I, th I think we possibly in the future require something like maybe like a journey uh that that that, that goes through maybe as not non-human but it's like very metaphysical like almost spiritual realm experience like the nothing you you do is extremely physical but it's it's immaterial you it's difficult to define what exactly it is um in terms because these terms are not widely available at the moment. So, uh, what do you think, Ashman? Yeah, I, I understand. I, I think, yeah, there's a lot they can do with perspective, right? Uh, I think also uh, perhaps um, uh, perhaps a movie shot with um, perhaps a movie shot from, from a sort of a uh, not a first-person perspective, but uh, what, what was seemingly a third-person perspective yeah. And revealed at the end of the movie to be an actual character within the movie, and you're looking through his eyes. That'd be interesting, right? Um, that sort of uh, strange or choose camera angles, mm -hmm. uh, sort of, and maybe if you could apply an effect similar to, um, you know, you had that, um, had this sort of uh, trend within movies, right? Particularly popular, and if you look at films like Chronicle, um, you have that sort of um, found footage style of filmmaking. Oh, yeah, found footage filmmaking. Um, perhaps if that could be applied differently, where you have a video game style, um, yeah. you have a video style. Honestly, I was thinking maybe if people could, maybe this maybe is a different take on like, you know, Tron. It's trying is based yeah. off like somebody going into arcade machine, but instead of just simply the arcade machine, how about it's like going into a different dimension instead, yeah. a different realm instead of just like trying being an arcade machine. 
Uh, it's funny, Ashmed, because in the 80s and 90s, uh, movies and films were heavily very experimental. You had movies like Brainstorm, who came in 1983, at the same time, Chuang also came out sometime that year. Yeah, yeah. And, but unfortunately, later on, cinema frame rates become standardized. Become standardized. Yeah. And I, I don't like it. I, th I think certain, like, avant-garde movie makers, they should aim for about 48 frames per second. Even though it's going to mm -hmm. be expensive, but it's a different take on the movies. And, yeah, yeah. And actually, I don't think it's unfeasible to do it in 60 frames per second. It, I know the editing will be a lot of work, but I think it will set a new standard, I think. Because we, we live in an age where cameras like Canon can capture 60 frames without any hiccups. Uh, so um, I think they should pursue it. But the 24 frames standard one, I think they should keep it for old drama, old movies. But the rest, I think if it's to do with sci-fi or something very Steven Spielberg-ish, then maybe E.T. will move it towards like uh, the impossible frame rate. I think maybe movies that um, sort of um, low fantasy movies or movies where our characters go into alternate dimensions or alternate worlds could learn from video games. They could prevent different areas of the world as different levels, uh, different levels, okay? Mm -hmm. And you have different bosses and different challenges, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And perhaps they could use things like uh, message overlays and stuff over the screen, you know, dialogue boxes, right? Use yeah. these kind of features within a a cinematic context, right? Oh, I've almost forgot. Do you feel like the Truman? Do you? I know the Truman Show is very yes. Uh, driven. We have, we let's do something like maybe the Truman Show, where where the we view from the third person character like Jim Carrey, but instead the environment every time he wakes up is different. Is every time is a different world, so you become like a maze, labyrinth. Yes, yes, exactly. That that game is sort of very. Very reminiscent of video games in a way. Yeah, really Especially look at when you change, when you see the director right. who's the antagonist of the whole uh, story in the Truman Show is actually planning on to how to give the player the you know give Jim Carrey, who is the actor, the illusion that he is living a normal life. He, he's keep on trying to shift Arrowson, like all the actors, to make as if he's yeah. trapped, and but he he is. Normal, you know, like he doesn't know his trapped. Yeah, yeah. In particular, when you look at some of the camera angles in the movie, for example, like when you look at, um, you saw have the you often have shots in that movie where the camera is looking, for example, through a hole within the house, right? So that's a hole within the, that, that, and that's meant to present a. It's kind of. Um, it's really meta. It's kind of really meta textual because the camera that we're looking through is the camera within the film. It's also a real life camera place that we're looking yeah. at the scene through, right? So um, just to have the idea of having that static fixed angle, it, it's very much like a game show, right? Yeah, we're very much it's like a game show. It's very surreal, right? Yeah, and, surreal. yeah, and I think maybe if you 
to use the kind of convention, that would be really interesting. Yeah. yeah, we need something like the sequel to Truman Show. Maybe it's like the real show or something. Yeah. Like I think, uh, I think maybe there's even potential for. Uh, I think heist movies could take a great deal of cues from video games. They could take a lot of cues from video games. Oh, heist movies! Oh, I seen experimental heist movies. Those on YouTube, they're quite interesting. But I don't think they're mostly action oriented. I'm not sure how you're going to do like heist movie that is strategical at almost like a strategy game. Mm, well, I was thinking. Less like a strategy game and more like a stealth game slash infiltration game. But if you look at, um, let's just not, no, let's not, let's not take, um, say for example, um, let's take an example of a movie that it's not a heist movie, obviously, right? Mm. Uh, but there's, there's certain sort of action, it's an action movie, so there's certain conventions. Like if we look at the movie Taken, right, for example, right? Um, you'd so show the sort of, uh, if you look at that movie, instead instead of when you have a scene where, for example, he's trying to rescue whoever he is, and each and every movie he's trying to rescue someone, right? Yeah. yeah. So you'd have sort of um, Zack Snyder style slow motion, then you'd have um, as, and then you'd have sort of a pause, and then the camera would kind of pan around, right? Which mm. is very video gamey to me. You'd kind of have a static kind of everything would freeze static. up, and the camera would pan around, and then uh, you could. Present Liam Neeson entering different room. Oh, actually, uh, no, I just realized. Sorry, Ashman, I think they yeah. should take cues from Resident Evil, the first Resident Evil. You're not like your house, they're almost like CCTV camera. They look, yeah, yeah. not that only that. I mean, I think they could also take cues from uh, like you could make it sort of like a side, a bit like a side scrolling game. You know, you know, those games where you have like um, oh, there's this one particular example. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but you know those games where you have um sort of um have like a side view and you have like a house or something and you have different rooms and compartments and you can see the character move through them, right? Mm-hmm. But you could have that where you uh you could have the camera looking at at the entire house. It would be like a house layout, right? Of course, the front side of it would be would be off because the camera needs to see it and then you have the character like Liam Neeson going through the doors and then the camera would move along like a like a like a sky scrolling game right the camera would move along and then it would show uh, at some points it would omit the actual actions right because when you look at movies it's very inviting this action to action whereas here it would just be focusing on looking at the different levels so you'd miss, miss certain actions uh, but instead you'd see effects like you'd see like papers uh, flying around okay and then it would shift through and it would very much feel like um a video game right yes this character sort of enters and exits and yeah and you, you even you know when you have those the way i do with heist movies is you'd have sort of the traditional you have the blueprint right yeah. uh, and then all the characters would be describing it like a like playing a video game and then you'd you'd show it cinematically like they're playing a video game right yeah yeah playing video game i've actually heard like in the movie parasite parasite okay the way that um set is uh the way the set of the house is made is they it kind of has a very yeah it has a very um interactive feel to it 
Yeah, yeah. And like the different room have different clues and stuff like that. And obviously the family is trying to hide it, hide it secret. So yes. Um, yeah, so I, I think it, it, I, I use this stealth-like video game mechanics in it as well, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely think, like, um, even, oh my god, even, like, if you look at, say, something like Harry Potter and the Cobbler of Fire, right? This is kind of different now, and I'm looking more towards puzzle game. Previously, I'm talking about more sort of action, side scrolling game, now the, or stealth games, right? Now, if I talk about puzzle games, right, I think mm-hmm. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire could have taken uh, cues from puzzle games, and in particular, it could have taken cues from you know, the maze scene. The maze scene at the end that could have taken cues from procedurally generated games, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it could have made the player really immerse the player in, in the scene and made them really involve the player. Right, the audio, the audience, really involve the audience, right? Okay, I make them feel like rather than watching a movie, they're watching Twitch video game live stream. Yeah, well, I except there's something like live stream, the fake live stream, and see different clues. And perhaps you can have different different clues, but because in the in the book, it's actually a great example. Yes, oh yes, actually, I forgot. Have symbolism, putting uh, like. Hence, cues in the background, maybe symbols or or things um, for the audience to solve. Yeah, what what things for the tariff or tariff? Oh, I forgot, Ashman. You you know, like in when video games, the level designers tend to put in real life word or gnostic or Freemasonic symbols in their games, and they they do it just for the aesthetic realism. What they could have done in movies, they just use it as a show that. This is someone's turf or something. They may be somewhat involved, or maybe this is a symbol to show warning or something. And have you seen um, Mr. Robot? Like in New York City, there when when Elliot goes out, he he interacts and notices all those uh, high rise symbols when when the like eco started faltering and uh, the, the those newsbreakers started to like appear in chronological order. It's like some secrets. And he was just like, yeah, won. It's like I won the game. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that. I think it's very video game esque. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, I did. I heard. I heard from like Gamma Sutra. Certain game designer has said. The games industry, AAA especially, they're moving, they're worried, they're cooperating with uh, the film industry, a lot like Hollywood, in a lot of those projects, especially Activision and Blizzard, I heard. I see, I see, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure. But me personally don't trust Activision Blizzard. So they, they, they of course, going to prop up the, uh, uh, um, like the military industrial complex in America by featuring America Rocks patriotism <laughs> in all the games. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I do think there's excellent ways that maze like structure could be incorporated into movies. Mm-hmm. Um, well, of course, with Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, it's a literal maze, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there's other contexts where it could be sort of a metaphorical, abstract mm-hmm. maze. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I do actually think if you read Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire book, that, in that chapter, 
it's really an excellent exercise in procedural generation, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's great material there, like, um, in terms of the way everything is set out. In fact, I think even some of the other Harry Potter, like, um, if, if you look at the first Harry Potter, that there are sort of video gamey elements uh, at the end of the video gamey elements, yeah. But yeah, with, with the Harry potions, sort of, I think really the Goblet of Fire, the chapter does it so well. In the movie, they kind of cut it down and it doesn't really yeah, fully doesn't work. work. Yeah, yeah and I think the way they should have done it is that you have these sort of you have the challenges presented, right? Because literally, it's they're participating in a Triwizard tournament actual game they're participating in yeah so you should have the challenges presented to harry as he goes along and he traverses the maze and then there should be intervals where the audience can try and figure things out themselves or perhaps hypothesize on what internally in their heads what they think harry should do next right yeah um, oh ashma have you heard of this movie called the maze runner yes i have i've never watched it though I watched the first one, it was actually really good. I just realized the maze is like actually a sports event. Like it it feels, it's not extremely, uh, the the camera angle doesn't give you the the, um, uh, video game-esque, but the level design, the levels, the VFX, how they designed the outlook from the drone view, it looks like a video game level. It has the atmosphere uh, yeah. one. It has the atmosphere one. The I think the only thing it ruins the movie to one extent it, that isn't believable is the characters' interaction feels way too Hunger Game esque. So, uh, mm-hmm. so so that's what it was. So that was the, the one. The rest was like the what the film VFX users they did make a great setup. Yeah, I think really, um, I also think like the movie Inter- Inception could have used that very well. Like, for example, when you look at dream sequences, you could have had certain parts where, for example, for example, like, you know, they had to thieves, their whole thing is that they have to, previously it was to steal ideas from people's minds, right? The main mission Leonardo DiCaprio has is he has to inject this idea within this businessman's mind, right? But they could have done it when they could when they could have done a montage perhaps, and they could have shown when they're in within the different dream sequences. In fact, um, have um, video game you have a sort of video game perspective look. You'd have, um, for example, you could do pause frames. For example, pause frame. um, you could do a pause frame, and then you could have Leonardo DiCaprio's character. You could have perhaps a memory recollection. A dream could have a dream continuously going on like the characters the characters dreaming of something and then you pause it okay you'd have Leonardo DiCaprio come in and pause the scene of the dream itself so he's actually pausing the dream okay and then he'd yeah. come in and the camera would pan around it would be like a, a free look a free look I mean you know a free rotating camera within a video game yeah okay yeah, um, so it would really direct the opportunity just to move the camera around in angles that wouldn't traditionally be acceptable within a movie, within film, right? Yeah. Um, traditionally, we've seen, a, we've seen a bad cinematography, right? And you could really have that as... It would be really, it would be really meta, though, because you'd be looking through... Um, it, it would... 
It would be through sort of it would be through sort of the perspective of Leonardo DiCaprio, not directly a first person perspective, but similar to how um when you for example if you watch the Joker movie, there's a lot of sort of POV shots in that, not first person uh, shot as in it'll focus towards the object or something, and that that is what the character is looking at. The experimental. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, um, movies that sort of have a uh, highlight the artificiality of the world, the setting, right? Um, Assassins. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. actually, the funny thing about uh, uh, this leads to the next question: Why do you think that movie adaptation of video games fail? Most of them fail. Why do they fail? Um. That's a difficult question to answer. Um, that's quite a difficult question to answer, as he said. Um, I would say that one of the key reasons that they fail is that I think that um, I, I think that like um, when they make when they make these adaptations of the, the video games, right? Um, they try to. In a sense, they they just try to take the they try and take the story, and just make it a standard blockbuster movie, right? And you can't really do that, okay? Because the story often the story of video sometimes the story of video games is perfectly suited for a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. Other times the story of a video game actually works better within the video game format, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps that would work within. Uh, th- th- there's lots of examples of this. There's lots of stories that simply wouldn't work uh, within a-, a film format, like Bioshock, for example. Yeah, it would be very hard to do. You have to alter things completely uh, because there's a lot of environmental storytelling. Um, yeah, environmental. Uh, they use um, the level design itself to uh, convey the story to the player. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of just there's a lot of video games. That, like if you if you try to make Batman Arkham Arkham City, uh, a movie. Uh, I, I don't. I think actually Arkham Asylum would actually work, right? It could be like a really good horror movie. But Arkham City, I, I don't think it would really work, mm. right? Um, I don't think it. Um, a, a lot of the the, the whole idea. Okay, that Batman's doing this all in one night. You know, I don't think it would. That sort of immensity to it. Everything that you you, you feel like you're Batman, and everything that happens within the story all happens with one night. Okay, and you have these different boss villains. I don't think audiences would buy into that, yeah. right? Um, so I think that's one type. That's one case, right? Then you have the case where the video game story can be done in a movie format, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it can be done, right? But the problem is, is that when you take that, like if you look at like when you look at the Tomb Raider movies, for example, there's nothing particularly. There's, there's no particular reason to watch it, right? Because it's just a standard blockbuster movie yeah. with the story of an already existing video game. It doesn't do anything new. You need to add a bit new layers to it, not just like. So this is funny because uh, there are very few successful ones and they rarely get the uh, uh, mainstream headlines like 
most of this not even in the West. Most of them is in Brazil, in China, oh. Japan. Well, it's experimental movies. So, so it I just had a thought. Who you have a call? I know. I had a thought. I had a Ooh. comment. Right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, actually, but I just had a comment on what you were saying. Okay. Please continue. I, yeah. Um, I just sort of realized actually that if you look at video games, right, a lot of the story uh, is you have a lot of backstory, Back- right? Oh. Um, even in the Assassin's Creed franchise, but I mean, you have games like Dark Souls, like, you have all this long backstory and lore. When you try and cram that into a movie, it doesn't really it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Yeah. Lore. Yeah. And, um, and as I said, there's the whole the element of just um, some uh, some some video games are actual plot. The plot is actually lacking, right? Yeah, yeah. it is the level design and feel of the world and right. the aesthetics that kind of build up the story, right? Yeah, yes. That can't be that, that can't really be done in film because with with, with or at least not how they're doing it, right? If they they need to get more imaginative with this, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you need to actually perhaps make movies feel more video... These video game adaptations actually uh, experiment with um, with sort of video game techniques, right? Okay? Yeah. yeah and make them perhaps feel more like a video game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they could use... Meta, maybe they could use sort of a meta-textual narrative so you could have a Jumanji-type scenario, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, justify... Um, justify sort of going into that game world, right? Um, but um, but here, here, here's the main thing: is that like um, obviously, like when you have when you have a story, environmental storytelling, and level and level and storytelling conveyed level design in a movie, you you don't get any chance to actually look at the scenery much. Right, it just yeah. goes by, particularly action movies. Right, you don't have time. No, no, you can't pause the frame and just look at. It. It's not with the video game. You could explore around and look around the map. Like it's, um, it's it's very fixed in a movie. Okay, whereas video games have that um, aspect of agency mm-hmm. and involvement. Yeah, agent in movies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Involvement. I think what what films lack is. Given the audience, it's, I think what also films also lack is, is uh, it, as opposed to theatre, even Shakespeare theatre, at least the audience has some interaction with the actors on stage, some forced interactions. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, let's say, well, should, should we come with this man or something? They say the audience that they they want to hear yes or no or whatever. That's minimal yeah. interaction, but in movies you rarely have any. It's passive, yeah. passive uh, media, which is I think is also important to know that I think what's the what's the What's the positive? No, no. What's the um, advantage of movies? That because uh, it's much easier to have flashbacks that go back in time without breaking the flow. Unlike in games, if you have a flashback and the next level is you years ago or something, play a level, it breaks the flow for certain players. It's like 
you you don't like players would rather feel a sense of chronology. Like this is why like in video games, like uh, a lot of video game um ob- no no sorry a lot of video game in open world has adopted the dynamic weather system and like day to night so to give the players a yeah. sense of oh this is night this is daytime this is that in movies all these are set pieces and in, in video games it's it's also set in an algorithm but the algorithm plays by itself so that's the main difference main core difference and I think, like, like I agree, I think the only thing that converge between phones and certain video games is VR. And currently, yeah. I'm not specializing VR, so we'll have to see. Yeah, I think maybe perhaps, like, movies are incorporating parkour. Could maybe look at, they could take you oh, to parkour movie. games as well. Oh, I see. Parkour movies. Right. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I think the issue of why video game adaptations are so poor, I think it's, it's a really complex issue. I think maybe a lot of it, although I've outlined some reasons previously, I think actually a lot of it might not, it just might just be due to the way the, stu- the studio system works, the way Hollywood, Hollywood industry works. Um, but the way but the, the irony, the irony yeah. was like Sonic, the movie, that kind of worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I personally, I'm not a big fan of movies that use cartoon characters. You know, yeah, right. Characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, when you have a movie and then you have an animated character come in, and it's just apart from, I mean, of course, you have those sort of uh, movies of like those old movies with cartoons. They're, they're okay, you know, like the. You know the one with just Jessica Rabbit and all of that. Like, it's but but in, in general, I'm not really a big fan of that. It just it just looks corny to me, and it just yeah. Oh yes, what's your opinion of anime extremely stylized games? Extremely stylized games. Extremely I mean, anime it, stylized game that like, I anime plot. And have you heard of the game called and Kagura? I haven't heard of that game, no. <laughs> Don't search it, no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, um, my, okay, so what I say, I think people, uh, listeners will hate me for this, absolutely hate me. Um, I don't think animes should adapt themselves into video games. And don't think they should ever. Or even anime yeah. games should adapt themselves. I, I'm not talking about Persona, although those that's unique. I'm talking about popular ones like um, One Piece. They shouldn't get adaptation to video games. They like Fairy Tale. They shouldn't get the adaptation to video games. That worst offender you throw down, and they should never get adaptation to video games. They they their design is based off like fan service and short-term profit it's based um it's not based on challenges most of these games are hell easy even on the highest difficulty beyond easy um 
I think the reason why is the popularity. They, the Japanese uh, media try to merge anime with uh, animations with video games so much is that I think there's a massive consensus in Japan and across East Asia. They like this um, uh, this mass appeal to it. They like this. Um, they 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 like this. Um, uh, this feel to it. They like. They they're not doing it for the games design. They're doing it in order to satisfy the market, in order to grab people's attention. Yeah. There's a game and that it's not to do with innovation or giving a new take yeah. to video games. It's basically recycling what other games are already done. But the the only difference is the art style. And unfortunately, Ashma, I do think. And animation adapted games will be extremely, um, extremely uh, animation, anime adapted to video games will be extremely common more and more in the West now, I think. And that's, to me, is a scary thing because it polarizes and turns a lot of the concepts of video games, the challenges, the struggles, and turn a massive head to them. So like, no, 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 we're going to satisfy the the casuals. The, we'll, because these anime companies, they want to uh, have a large market to sell to. They won't care about they going against the flow, or they going against the flow, or going against the fundamentals of game design or consistency of the law. They only care about adventure games. That's the problem. Oversaturating the entire genre with adventure-based games. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it's tiresome in my opinion. With the exception of Grand Blue Fantasy and um, Skullgirls, those are different things. I'm talking about mostly action adventure based japanese uh, anime adapted to games uh, like uh, have you heard of jump force like there was an anime it already happened back in 2013 jump force had to love rule and ichi anime had those characters in the game um a jump force it was so um, bad it's still pines to the I mean, oh i have seen this actually no i have seen this uh yeah yes i have i have i have okay yeah okay yeah i mean uh this is here's the thing like i mean mm. i i just like really this is like Obviously, there are some anime-based games I love. I, I love. I like the Naruto ship game. Naruto, Naruto, well, not Naruto ship. Naruto fighting games. I like Naruto Ultimate Storm Four. I, I like them, right? Um, but in general, I mean, I don't think there should be an overabundance of them. I mean, I do like it. I, I would. I do want to see anime characters featured in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. That's one thing. <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that Super Smash Flash. Uh, have you ever played Super Smash Flash? Yes, yeah, Super. Uh, yeah, Flash. Yes, Super. Yeah, yeah, you have uh, different anime characters like Naruto. It's just sick. But um, the thing is, is that um, even though this is fun, you can incorporate these anime characters, right? Fundamentally, video games are their own medium, right? Yeah. Um, video game tie-ins to anime are just not very interesting in the long run. Um, yeah, it, it's the same situation I feel with like, um, with some exceptions, I would say I have the same feeling about uh, comic tie in to TV shows, right? Yeah, 
cartoons, right? Um, sure, they're fun. I mean, they're there. I mean, but I don't see them as legit comics. Like when I read when I read a Legend of Korra comic, I don't see it as a legit comic. It's just a tie into. It's just so we can continue watching but reading about the TV show, right? It's just a, it's just a tie into that. It's just because I want to see. Preferably, I, I every any day I'd want to see it animated, right? Any day I would prefer. It's just a simply a budgeting thing. Right, it should be a fight. It's simply a financial thing, right? Yeah. I don't regard Legend of Korra comics like very odd parents comic, like or the Simpsons comics. Like, uh, yeah. ultimately, it's the same thing with video games. I mean, yeah, ultimately, um, the same. Video games. Very, I, I, I was very, really, I was saying Simpsons game like the, in the beginning of two thousand. Uh, like, have you heard of the Simpsons Hit and Run? Yes, I have. Oh, have you heard of you know that Homer Simpson uh, driving Simpson uh, driving game Homer Simpson? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I'll try and find its name actually. The Simpsons games were good actually, and I did enjoy the Incredibles game, which was a movie time. I don't movie time games are also something that's not very good usually, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. They like the Simpsons. It can be fun. I mean, here's the thing though, right? Actually, one good thing about it is that with with the Simpsons games, like the Simpsons Road Rage, right? Um, yeah. Uh, one good thing about it is that because because they were like were 3D, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, or pseudo 3D, really. Yeah. Um, they did offer aesthetically. There was there was a sort of difference, right? Um, there was a sort of difference between that and the. I mean, if if it's interesting, if you look now at some of the old Simpsons games, the characters look really goofy and dated, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but but it, it's fine, honestly. Like, and as I said, like um, as a one-off thing, it's fine. I, I mean, I don't know for some reason I'm not when I look at say a, the Simpsons tie-in game. I just I view it as a fun game. I yeah. think I, I'm not. Okay. I don't have a problem with it the same way I do with uh, just blatant anime games. Yeah, I think it may just be because I think it's probably because of two reasons, right? Mm. Simpsons games don't take themselves all that seriously. Yeah, right. They don't take themselves. All they that are seriously. very campy. They're very campy, and they, 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 uh, I remember head time wrong. You can just kick everyone, and oh right, and they just say like Homer, <laughs> you eat my dust dinner, and you. you you hit all the cars, you really don't care, and you really don't. Uh, uh, reaction is so funny, it's really entertaining, it's very comical. The anime, and also the second reason, yeah, I agree with you, it's really, it's really comical, it's full of gags, right? Which is it's, it's like the show, you know, it's a comedy show, Comic, yeah. like, of course, it is, right? Um, but another thing is, is that, um, another reason is that I think the anime style. Just overused in particularly Japanese RPGs and JRPGs is really overused. Yeah, Japanese RPGs are way too overused. Like, I think the worst abuse is from Sega's Shining Resonance. That game is just like, oh god, yeah, yeah. You, you know, that the one thing did you hear about that? Uh, Sega's Valkyria Chronicles. They they yeah. say that the yeah, next yeah. that the next art style then they drop in the anime aesthetics they drop in it because they say the uh, even though people like the character or that they say the aesthetics did not fit the genre. They found out. Yeah, it, it doesn't really. <laughs> it's really uh, fourth wall breaking. 
the reason is the funny thing they did the marketing research. They say a lot of Final Fantasy characters. Uh, no, no, sorry, fan of people who play there a lot of Final Fantasy and the war, war, like war simulator people, like people who play Company of Heroes, more serious strategy games, play those games. So that, that so technically speaking, this high fantasy word, you shouldn't have this stereotypical anime art styles for that word. So that's what pe people who uh, requested Sega to change it. So maybe like they asked them, the, so basically the director for Wakara Chronicles 5, they re-overhauled it. They are looking at the, the art style, they're looking at what the Musou, they're looking at what Tecmo is doing. With the like ninja guy, they know those graphics. So they, not a ninja guy, they sorry. So what, what the models they have for like um, Neo, DOA, and and it's like more three D realistic, somewhat three D models. Because they said they found out that people who play who played the the Valkyria Chronicles, they felt inconsistency they say like the characters looks very cutesy but this boy is very serious everyone is dying like in the first game a whole village got wiped out and it's it doesn't fit the context so they're changing that now so yeah the yeah, thing but, is like when you what i think that um anime 3d anime um doesn't look good unless it's cell shaded so shady so like Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm, they use self-shading, self right? Yeah. I mean, Legend of Zelda games, which do have a sort of anime, they have an anime-esque style. It's self-shaded, so it works, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, when it's not self-shaded, it doesn't look very good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really work if it's not so shady. Uh, that, that's another problem, I think, about 3D animated games. They they have 2.5D feel to it, so shading in games. Uh, they, they have yeah. a 2.5D to it. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, I think... Realistic. When you try to add those details to the 3D anime characters, it just looks off. It looks like I'm looking at giant plushy toys, right? Yeah. 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 If you want to go with anime art style in video games, use shell, shell shading. Yeah. Like Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Breath of the Wild, so shading, yeah. Well, Breath I have a question. Would you say that would you say Genshin Impact characters is so shaded? Um, Genshi Impact shell shaded. Um, because I went on to play it online, but I haven't actually played mm. the art styles, not the posters, the in game 3D models. <laughs> mm. I, was I, I would say this is cell shaded. Um, a lot of the characters, women, female characters, look no way for my taste, though, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. no way I, for you. I really hate it when these when you look at some of the characters, just look all pieces, just look like babies, you know? Right? Babies, yeah. They're way too young. They look very young. Like yeah, in China, especially in Japan, they love girls who are so young, and they also like pretty boys in Japan and China. Love pretty boys, really thin pretty boys. Quite ironic. Quite ironic. It is a, it is a form of cell shading. Although I would say that the uh, problem with Genshin is the, the environment. Um, uh, it's not 
Breath of the Wild uses shell cell shading it in its actual environment, which um, yeah, Genshin, environment. Genshin Impact I, just. I, I argue. Play. I argue that Genshin Impact is not a Breath of the Wild, but the levels are not a Breath of the Wild. I think the only problem I think with like Genshin Impact is that they lost their identity when they didn't didn't communicate what what, what these words are exactly what people expected like it's a to an extent it's a fun game to explore but i think there's a lot of limitations here it's like the identity is very screwed is it try to be is it wants to be this or this this it's really hard to categorize this game that's the problem mm-hmm. like in art wise and uh since yeah i look at um uh, the success like uh, uh link associating it's very different I, mean, I sent you an image actually okay, uh, sure. just apart from Genshin Impact any of our listeners right if they want to just um, can just google up um, just any standard Genshin Impact they can have to Genshin Impact images and they'll find they'll find it there right um, yeah. if you look at it right you'll see that the character design art style and the environment are completely inconsistent yeah, it feels like it's been pasted onto the environment. Yeah, it does. But but it also feels like the background, the trees are very high dynamics range. And but when you look closely at the characters, the details is fading in the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I would yeah. say here's the thing. Like, I mean, would you when you look at like. Um, interesting question you've seen like you have a movie like warcraft when you look at um adaptations of the rpg genre into video game into movies sorry that is particularly heinous right it's very hard to do an rpg game the whole point of a role-playing game doesn't really work work with them because if you look at warcraft it's just terrible they just try and pack it in visually speaking i really like uh, i like i love the cgi i love the look the Warcraft movie, right? It's just the story yeah. is really lacking, right? Yeah. It's it's only one way you could do an RPG, not an RPG game, and a RPG game, a movie per se, but say a movie that used RPG elements is where well, you have a character that is um, completely, um, character that's completely anonymous, right? Let's say a yeah. character is completely anonymous, okay, and is yeah. very much and very is very much an insert character, right? Of course, he w- wouldn't really work completely because it's not customizable. You're not playing a game, right? Um, yeah. You can't you can't really replicate can't really you replicate an RPG experience within movies because it, that defeats the entire purpose. I mean, I would say that, like, when I watch a when I watch a movie like Drive, right? Um, right. Drive does that have that sort of GTA? It has that GTA feel to it, right? Yeah, when you GTA feels remember- to it, yes. Yeah. With Ryan Gosling, have you seen that movie, Drive? Drive, yes. Yeah, and the fact yeah. that Driver is never named, right? And just the whole mm-hmm. whole parts where he's like driving through the night, it it does very much sort of pull me in and remind me of times when I played certain video games, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the can yeah, although I wouldn't say the driver is the self insert exactly. I would say he's very relatable. Yeah. 
flat-looking. Very, very flat to d looking. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So it's interesting. I, I, th- I think yeah. In driver, uh, have you heard about the near the end mission where you, the driver, is you control another driver, but you are trying to run over your own car. Uh, even that you know that even took inspiration from uh, the driver you took inspiration from a video game. Um, yeah, I think it was which which video game was it actually? Mm. Oh, let me look it up. Oh, somebody said, uh, Genshin Impact. B-S-O-D Hotline Miami Hotline Miami Yes Inspired Drive You know Yeah I feel like Movies I feel really the way that As a sort of Conclusionary point I would say that The main way that Movies Obviously movies cannot I I mean there have been Experiments with Interactive movies But I don't know. I'm very skeptical about that. I really think the way that movies can uh, feel thematic, right? If I want to coin that word, or ludological, right? Okay. Ludological, yeah. Yeah. Um, is if it's presented as a uh, movie is the director's playground. Um, yeah. Char- characters are not so much characters, but more set pieces or what element which the character which the director play kind of like Inception right yeah where none of the characters are really memorable right um, but it's, it's, it's a very plot driven movie right uh, but the whole movie is a, is a big playground like a big Zack Snyder movie right when you look at Sucker Punch right it's a giant playground it's him messing around with different things right it's the director's playground uh, like he's playing a video game and we're being invited in to watch the director's playground to watch everything unfold yeah, want watch everything unfold. Agree, yeah. Okay, um, check what for me. Yeah, you shared to me something. Yeah, I'll take a look. Uh, you need to go shortly. Uh, uh, how many minutes uh, you, you can? I say maybe five minutes. Sure, five minutes, yes. So can you talk about back about Genshin Impact Arts? You said the background looks really inconsistent. Uh, can you... Uh, inconsistent in yes. the, the draw distance? Or you mean the color scheme or the details, the 3D details? Uh, yeah, I mean, when you look at, here's the thing, when you look at the Breath of the Wild, even though it's cell shading, right, but the way cell shading is being utilised isn't to make uh, Link or any of the characters, it's not to make the game look like an anime, look like a cartoon. Yeah. It has a very, has a very posterised look to it, right? If you look at a lot yeah, of, if you go up and look up this, um, there's this really great, excellent animated short music video, um, by Caravan Palace, uh, it's the music video for Lone Digger, right? Yeah, I've seen. Um, and it has, it has a very posterized look to the edges, the lines are not highlighted, okay, right? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah. 
more sort of blobs and shapes of colour, right? Uh, like you're looking at sort of a, one of those old World War II posters, right? Even an Art Deco, when you look at Art Deco, right? There's a lot of shapes and edges are not highlighted as much, right? But it's not, it's essentially, it's not trying to replicate anime, right? But when you look at Genshin Impact, for example, if like that, that image I showed you, the character itself looks like looks like you've copy and pasted this from an anime, right? Copy and pasted from an anime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I said in one of my game review that the, these characters in Genshin Impact are like anime characters, direct anime characters. Yeah. So I was thinking, these are car- anime characters. They should be um anime, not in like this extreme gamified world. Exactly. Just look at the trees and the rocks, and the style is completely inconsistent, right? It, it's it's a stylized yeah. look. Don't get me wrong, but it's something like it, it, it's it's something that I'd see in something like, say, I don't know, like if you look up, for example, uh, if you look up, for example, like, um. Just look at any. If you look at something like t- any sort of really style game with stylized art, right? Um, even if I look up something like Bioshock, right? I could imagine this sort of pastel has a very pastelesque look to it, right? Uh, I, yeah, it, it, it doesn't. The style is completely different to this anime character that you've pasted into it. Into it, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I, I can see now. I, at the start, I didn't have any quarrels with the, like the characters, the character designs, or the, but then thank you because you pointed out that even though the level design with the character design they are not consistent, they're inconsistent. So I just realized the more I look at, yeah, they're they not inconsistent, they're inconsistent, yes, yeah. I just realized, thanks. And so, yeah, so like you said in Bioshock, this pastel look, and it has like depth, you say. And if you look at Genshin Impact, the depth is almost flat to a degree. Would you say? Yeah, yeah, I would agree, yeah. It's almost flat. So do you think this game should be instead called 2.5D or 2.8D? Yeah. And yeah, I would, so, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, two point five D game rather than three uh, D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. That makes a lot of sense now. Thank you. Um, so, so, so because um, I played Genshin Impact, and if you know, Genshin Impact's uh, gameplay is very inconsistent, and I didn't realize. Thank you for noticing that the graphics, the level design, with the character design are even. Are even more inconsistent. So, thanks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I gotta leave now. But uh, cool, cool. My yeah. my videos done. Processing. Great participation. Thanks, Ash. Thanks, Ash, for joining this delightful podcast. And hope you enjoy your evening and uh, get done with what you're doing. So, this will conclude our podcast. So it's about films that. Are, future of films the endeavors of films how what filmmakers can learn from video games and how video games 
uh, how animations should be adapted into video games or not adapted at all in certain respects, like uh, certain animes, maybe like Genshin Impact. So thank you, and everyone. So thank you for listening. Cheers. See, so yeah, I'll finish the recording, and this video has a bit of Genshin Impact about commentary as well. So thank you for listening. Dear viewers, Dear viewers and podcast listeners, please let me explain what's my findings recently. So I'm doing a revamp of my previous like Genshin Impact explanation because I feel like people may misunderstand where I'm coming from thinking I hate the game so much. First of all, I don't blindly hate the game, nor do I blindly love the game. I judge my criticisms the criticisms of the game should be impactful i from my third party neutral perspective or an active player perspective to give you the idea about Genshin impact including using some theological learning leanings i used to have to explain and dissect the symbolism in the video game for you ascension my problem with some of the figures that's Alice, uh, Genshin Impact that's subliminally featured in the game as influences, direct influences, they're not ideal for a fantasy world like Teviat in the sense because in a high fantasy game like Genshin Impact, you should be noted that these symbols and works is designed to be caveat but they have external influences that lead to people like Alistair Crowley and Helena Blavatsky that's considered controversial figures and in itself makes the game controversial. So more I want to add in is that I don't hate the game at all. I don't hate the game for it become it was a technological marvel. If I were forced to make that game, I wouldn't have made that game such a stellar, multi-platform, capable game. Because I wouldn't have been able to make that game, technological speaking, because I don't have that technological prowess yet. But I do have the game design and animation prowess, so I understand what makes games spark. And unfortunately, some of the fundamentals that of games design were crushed. The rules were crushed by not the old ones, but the fundamentals to all long-term success of games, especially the end game of Genshin Impact was quite troublesome, including the second mid-game was quite troublesome for a lot of players. And I will dissect why. Why Genshin Impact is not like the Doom, open world Doom or the anime game of the... Yeah, I think it's a good game. Decent game to an extent, but I wouldn't say it's the best RPG out there. Action RPG. The, the. Heck, I even like to argue that the previous game, Honkai Impact 3rd, had made some fundamental game design that is much more appealing than Genshin Impact in certain response. But all in all, Genshin Impact is a technological marvel and has a lot of influences from nostalgic games, which in turn influenced the pragmatism and the resolve of players in order to play the game plus adding a bonus that is free to play and there's no upfront cost let's forget all that 
Let's forget all that for a second and listen to what I mean. So, so what 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 flag will you have to understand is that video games have different lenses. So if we just go back the lens of the fandom to say we would know that the game is already great, but from a designer point of view, the game is great at right now, but it can be better. So for a game to last long, it requires feedback and criticism from various different lens of the video game. So looking at Genshin Impact from a satisfied action RPG player point of view, there is no flaws because they see the satisfied the players feel fun, they feel entertained by Storm Terror by players like Character like Venti, Slothchin, uh, by player mechanics that like the daily challenges they gave you for thirty minutes at all, but there are players who also says these daily challenges are not enough, and they're forced to sit behind a waiting wall called the reason system in order to continue. Pause. So, the next game lens I want to talk to you about is. Players do matter in this game, but in this case, Mihoyo made a, I think, startling mistake is that they like to censor the feedbacks. They wouldn't like to listen to the feedback directly, and it creates this really like this indicative red flag factor that it creates unbelievable set of ramifications for the video games in general. So the ra- first ramification is that the players will be more distant towards the developer. If the developers are more active rather than just squeezing out the revenues from players and be more active, engage with the players in their feedback and criticism, and improving certain functions like the especially the raisin system people will complain maybe getting rid of scrapping the raisin system entirely for PC players because even though like what I said the PC players prefer their own version of Genshin Impact while mobile players prefer their version of Genshin Impact with auto playing factors and auto aiming factors for the bow because there's no auto aim in the mobile version for Genshin Impact at the moment but at the same time you need to understand that the game to be multi-platform you had to show a different variety of content that is exclusive to that platform unfortunately Genshin Impact made everything standardized to one platform either mobile or PC or the the people will argue which platform is the best to play Genshin Impact on. Most they say PC, but some people say mobile and or console. So it's difficult to say which because the player base and the fandom are so in denial in the dilemma about the problems. They only care about the surface level problems at the time. So this we have a shockingly lack last of engagement between the developers if developers want to continue the game, which I hope they do in their own rights and to be much more player friendly in the future rather than using these slotting mechanics like from other gacha games like limited time gacha banners. I think they should think about maybe try to expand the 
even bigger player base by fixing some of the already existing glaring head problems. Like the, not just the reason system, but the repetitive combat system, even the halfway through it. If you're a four star character, if you're a five star character, it becomes increasingly difficult to unlock or level up your characters mid game. Because by the time you load and pull, they call pull and load, it means buy loot boxes or gachas in order to get to the next level, it creates a whole a lot of new level 1 characters, which technically they could have done this because other western gacha gamers have done this. When you pull a new character, you don't have to start from level 1, leveling them up. The highest level of your characters will be used instead. So your characters should all be able to level up to your highest character level. So that's the thing. We we need to have a game where leveling up factors like especially Genshin which you drastically need where getting a new character the level will be pinned to your highest level character so that you don't have to grind even more in order to play. There are many kudos to the early games of Genshin Impact. If people are saying I'm being too harsh on Genshin Impact, I'm not. The early game of Genshin Impact was fabulously done, where grinding is very rewarding. And the mid-game, the grinding is also rewarding, but there are caveats, where if you grind too much, there's a less likelihood if you obtain, obtain new and sick materials and sick items for your character, like for Official, you might lose out on a special bow, you, or if it's Xiangning or Xiangnang or Kang or Xiao, you miss out on certain artifact, and those artifacts can only be replenished either going through the gutter banners if you miss out, and that's a problem, glaring problem. The events that Genshin Impact features are pretty lackluster in the sense that long term they will be obsolete very quickly. For example, if you load a 5-star character like Dailu Kovinti, the later 5-star characters will make sure to make the old 5-star characters less appealing and it's more likely that after each update or short, small, incurrent updates, the new 5-star characters will replace the old 5-star star characters as the center stage so less players will use the sick old characters and that's a problem to me because again the characters all have to be unique to in a way and not to a degree Genshin Impact does this right but the characters are not you they are not clunks of each other but to a degree, some of the characters share movesets and they feel, some of the attacks feel homogenized. Homogenized as in defined as not clone, but using the feeling of attacking feels the same to each other. And what I'm talking about is especially the main two characters, but you say the main two characters are not important. But the interesting thing when I talk about the main two characters is that what the all the other characters don't have is in terms of the combat system 
the gameplay combat system is that the elemental magical attacks that the main characters have advantages they are adaptive they can use you know, they can pray they can send they can pray and get different powers different elemental powers you can use them with different elemental powers with the special Q and the Qs and that's a big problem you know because they are like the only characters that have the ability to adapt to new elements. The rest characters cannot adapt to new elements. They are fixed with water, earth, fire, f ice, and maybe more like death and fire and inferno and electro lightning, royal lightning attack. And that's a big problem, you see, because those characters are so unique and they have much more worried and better movesets than main characters, yet they are fixed to one elemental attacks. But you can say that you can switch characters with a unique feature. Well, technically, switching characters are not new because Warriors Orochi perfected that way before Genshin Impact. So, I wouldn't say it's a new feature per se, but it's a new feature to MiHoYo's game, new feature to a always online single player gacha game. And people might disagree with this, but I do feel that elemental attacks should not be limited to one. They should be spread out, they should be mastered by the player at their own pace. They should be hidden behind a paywall or such. Or I think they might do it in the future, but they won't. But hidden behind the gutter paywall, by gutter banner paywall, and the gutter banners are limited because they give the idea of scarcity. The gutter will have a problem with the mechanics of the gutter system is that the banners are limited. They give you a limited time in order to acquire the character. So that means it pushes the players who are more susceptible to addictive problems or in the case lottery problems or like in China the mahjong problems they were more likely to invest and spend the money even though they well they know at the heart they won't get the character until how much investment and grant they will need until they can load the characters pull the characters or wish for the characters or use the petty system in order to get the characters they're finding all the ways they could to just get the characters within this strict time limit of events this creates a lack a scarcity high scarcity overabundance problem more scarce, scarce items becomes more rare and become super rare and becomes less common and becomes it gives people this higher self of esteem to the extent psychologically arrogant to think that better than everyone else even though it's a single player game i'm better than everyone else because i have this amount of five star character i'm so lucky i'm such a lucky chum boy adding more sense to it is that the leveling up system is not based on player skills it's based on chance based on levels and if you base your entire gameplay of your end game and this later on game on rep on repetitive chunks manufacturing or repetitive luck basing on players repetitively grind and farm for the luck of getting that characters that creates a loot creates a game design inconsistency problem or they call it the ludon narrative dissonance problem as in the narrative does not fit the 
ludology of the game as in the leveling system. In this case, the leveling up progression and unlocking character system is drastically different to the storyline of the problem. Of course, you can argue that at the beginning of a game, you get free characters, you can progress through the end of the game without that. But what's fun of not unlocking other characters? That's the problem. It doesn't give players more choice. Even by that chance, it forces the players to play within the certain boundaries of the abilities. It creates shocking, unbelievable chaos in sometimes in where the players want to end up having this player and they end up being the strong arm of this player base. They become quite arrogant in a sense and they become overly confident. But that's not all the problem you see. All the problem comes from being unable to support the players in the long run because they eat up the mid-game and end-game content way too much. You shouldn't entirely blame on the players for eating up the content too much. If the game is so good, they're willing to do it. You should be able to give them all the freedom to choose to play past the reason system. There shouldn't be a stamina system in the PC version. They should localize and call it for the mobile Japanese market instead. The Japanese are fine with the reason system. If they're for the Westerners, Genshi Mihoyu should have asked Western lands, do they like stamina system? Of course they do not like. So for their exception, we're not giving you stamina system and we're going to make the gacha fairer. If Mihoyo does all that what I say, as well as adding more layers to the combat system, what I mean by layers combat system, making it more dynamic in the case that elemental attacks are more well-rounded so the players the players are very weak in this compatibility of the element, but the strongest at this compatibility element. For example, Diluke is the strongest using Inferno and and Fire Magic, Pyro Magic, but he is the weakest in Water Magic or Ice Magic or in basically Cryogenic Sleep Magic, and that's a problem. And because they don't give you a choice, you can't really adapt your magic to a situation. So you have to keep a constantly shift with your character roster in order to get it. feels like Pokemon game. You have to change your character roster every time in order to fight a, a special enemy boss or like Storm Terror or the Night Wolf. And it doesn't make it fun in the addition that you have to spend 60 reason points in order to fight against the monster regardless of your winning or not you lose that stamina if you die or if you win you still lose a bit of your time with the characters because they don't really respond them often so it's not to do with me against the characters but the system surrounding it it's quite contradictory the system basis is more like fan service over completion of games and please just change the allow all those five star characters all, only just the five stars all the four stars characters to be adaptive with other elemental attacks as well because it's unfair to just risk the entire main character to have the elemental move list even though he used a really name weak as um 
a nice moveset, basically sword moveset, but other characters also use movesets, they're much more creative, but they're, they're stuck with using ice or cryo or lightning or wopa attacks. This is the problem you see. So I hope Mihoyo listens to my feedback, actually changes, because I sent him them detailed letters about it already. So I hope this game doesn't die out, but at the same time I hope players get more welfare, like more better primo gems because these systems need to improve if they don't improve other games will catch up and be better other clones lock off games or Genshin Impact will be better or even like Breath of the Wild 2 will be significantly trump this game in the future if they never change the way how they handle the fandom and how they stop censoring people and start listening to the opposition side and understanding where they're coming from because any Constructive criticism is better than none. Constructive criticism makes people learn and grow out of it. So thank you. And please also check my YouTube channel called Magnificent Henry Critic. And please look at my videos explaining about unconventional narrative for the game. See you.